Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey guys, welcome to Steel Wars. I'm comedian Steel Saunders and I do love Star Wars and each week we talk to someone of interest about it and this week on this show we're talking to three people about it as it is our fourth Mandalorian chit-chat about episode four, The Sanctuary and joining us once again... The um, maybe the only person daring enough to make it through all four episodes with me from the Canto by Dispatch. It's Emily Lind. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. How you doing, Steele? I'm okay. But you did say that you said bad things about me on your last podcast you recorded. So I'm um, I'm sort of enjoying the last blissful moments of our friendship. I mean, you had to be expecting that after you spoiled something for me and continued to not send me a voicemail that you promised me I sent three you the, months ago. I sent you the voicemail, spoiler uh-huh. alert. And, after uh, we recorded. Yes. I, um, on, on the last episode, I, I may have... It, it's like my thing is, if it's out in... If, it's, if Lucasfilm have put it out, uh-huh. it's, it's fair game. And I may have mentioned something that... Um, Emily didn't know about, but we'll leave it there. We'll leave it yeah. there. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you know, who could have guessed that Yaddle was returning? But um, <laughs> returning to the podcast uh, from our Page Wars, a Patreon podcast, which is very popular, bringing his immense wealth of uh, quickly read Star Wars information. It is the King of All Toms. King Tom Chansky. How you doing, Tom? I am well, Steel. Thank you. And I'm looking forward to the next episode of the Canon by Dispatch. Yeah, that is that is sad. I, I always am, but even more now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a bit too hot a sizzle. And uh, one of our oldest podcast friends. And, and uh, a podcast friend's not the most important? I think so. From um, the, the soon-to-be RIP'd comedy film nerds, it is our buddy, Chris Mancini. How you doing, mate? Great to be here. It's uh, four episodes of Mandalorian already. I know. We did our um, episode of Comedy Film Nerds together, gushing about it very early yes. in the morning, or, you know, podcast very early. Mm-hmm. Possibly it was in the PM. I don't know. But it, it did seem early that uh, I went to your house. But uh, ha- how have you been enjoying it thus far, Chris? I've absolutely loved it, although I was thinking of you while I was watching it. I think I'd like to watch an episode of The Mandalorian at Galaxy's Edge at Disneyland. I think that would be perfect. That would be having your cake, eating it too, dripping it in uh, chocolate topping, and then gargling it. Um, yeah. <laughs> choose choose one of the two, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, it, it could be a bit much. I saw today, good use of the license, they were doing cast interviews at Galaxy's Edge on one of the balconies. And I was like, 
that's good synergy. That's good synergy. All the all the guests that were there were very excited to see Daisy Ridley and all that. So that they're is... uh, ramping up for the uh, big ride to open. Yeah, well, in Florida. So yeah, um, in Florida, it's the fifth. We don't get it till January. Yeah, we. Um, I am very keen for that. But let's talk episode four of The Mandalorian, an episode that for me got better on the second showing. So um, it was it was very interesting. It is um, directed by Bryce Dallas Howard of uh, Running from Dinosaurs fame, and she uses a bit of a Running from Dinosaurs uh, experience to uh, good use here. And I love that she's got her own perfect uh, Star Destroyer-esque opening with the, the close-up on that that sea creature that you think is like you're in the ocean and it's really big and then it gets picked up and it's a little blue tadpole. I, um, I very much enjoyed that, uh, that, that, that opening shot. You're a filmmaker, Chris, you to be impressed by such uh, framing. Well, I was actually, I was, but I was more impressed that she um, basically gave me the cliff, the sci-fi cliff notes of the movie uh, seven samurai in like 40 some minutes. I thought that was the most impressive part of that episode. Se- Seven Samurai, they, they must have ripped off um, one of the best Simpsons episodes, Bart the General. <laughs> exactly, what, yeah. What about, what about the A-Team episode, Bad Day at Blackrock? What about every A-Team episode? What are you talking about? Yeah. Wasn't that the plot of everyone? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, the, the first t- time I went through the like that story of um, training the the village to you know fight off you know fight for themselves it was it, it it got it wore me a little bit the first time around but um we'll get to that one of the little treats which is one of my favorite things of the mandalorian is just the little star wars treats that we get the farming droid did you guys see that this was really cool like, yeah yes. right at the beginning yeah yeah like mm-hmm. an r2 pelican it was just yeah. and you're wondering like well why aren't there more of those they seem very useful why is there only one you know, to help farming. How many vacuum? How, how many vacuums do you own, Chris? <laughs> I Four, think but were, you can't go by me. <laughs> I think there were few at the end of the episode. Uh, well, okay. I think as as the originals, the sacred text of the original Star Wars told us, those droids can be um, pretty expensive uh, or hard to come by. But yeah, I, I loved the um, the opening scene. Uh, very sort of familiar yet. Off world, um, I loved the that this world has hyperdrive travel and lightsabers, but um, when it comes to balls, we just make them out of a bunch of sticks. Like <laughs> their, their, their ball technology hasn't really evolved, and they've just they've had a little twig. But then the Marauders came out, and um, I'm not sure if we've got any uh, Battle for Endor fans here, but I was getting serious Battle for Endor Marauders fan. You with me, Tom? I can definitely see the connection. Yeah, it's sort of, I don't know, it's sort of just like sweetly campy how how maraudy they were. They were really maraudy. I, I, I enjoyed that. Like at when you they, look at like the, the race of marauders, you look at them and go, well, how could they be anything but marauders? They're not going to be accountants. <laughs> you know, they, there's, there's, there, there's not a lot of uh, job opportunity for uh, you know someone who looks like a marauder. You have to be a marauder. <laughs> I, I was born to maraud. I live my life yes. <laughs> a quarter maraud at a time. Yeah. One of the great movie quotes. 
And um, the the mother and the child have to hide under a basket, which, you know, is definitely got all that. Um, I don't know. Did you guys see that thing on Twitter? People arguing whether it was like a samurai show or a Western. Oh, oh my God. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's um, hey, Twitter will argue about anything. <laughs> uh, you know, it can be both. You know, you can have pieces of one thing and pieces of the other, considering they were both you know, heavily influenced by each other anyway. It's okay. It, it can all be mixed up together to get, create something entertaining. It's totally fine. Yeah, it was, it was kicked off by John Rocha from Collider, who's he's a really nice guy. And like it was, and then, the, like he said, it was a, a samurai film. And then the guys at Lucasfilm said, oh, no, it's a Western, we made it. But I just think it's like, it, 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 it's Star Wars. Star Wars is like an amalgam yeah. of all these things put yeah, into I mean, one. How many, it depend, I mean, how many um, you know, influences do you need to go back to? Do we need to all the way go back to the samurai movie Hidden Fortress that you know, influenced Star Wars? Do we go back to Seventh Samurai, which was you know, um, the framework of this movie? And including other movies like, oh, I don't know. A Bug's Life or Magnificent Seven. There's there's certain things that um, you know that it's clearly influenced by, but it doesn't make them bad or wrong. Yeah, I just you know like I, I sort of thought it was weird that they came out and you know full respect to the this uh, is an outrage the, the guys yeah. at Lucasfilm, but it's just like it's it's Star Wars. It's it's like it's the yeah. Star Wars taco. You got you got all these mm-hmm. sweet things in there. Um, I, I I did think. I'm not one to second guess a mother. That is one thing I've learned in the last year of my life. Came out of the basket a bit quick, you know? <laughs> yeah. Spend some time in that basket. Really make sure your marauders have done their full maraud. They're not coming back for any late marauding. Oh, you know, you don't know the backstory. She may have had basket phobia, and it was very difficult for her to be under there for too long. The basket's got holes. She could kind of see and hear. Hey, don't disrespect her lifestyle, Tom. That is that is not that is not cool. Um, then we we cut to the Mandalorian and Baby Yoda or Yoju, if you will. Yoju. Oh, nice. Yeah. No. <laughs> you know, you know, Baby Yoda. Neither Baby nor Yoda, but that's okay. Yeah. Yoju, if you will. Yeah, Yoju. <laughs> Where where do you stand on Yoju, Tom? You haven't you've haven't, have you been caught up by Yoju? <laughs> of all of all the names for Baby Yoda, I've heard it's one of them. <laughs> it's not the worst. Come on, you're killing me. <laughs> Which one is the worst that you've heard, Tom? Yes. <laughs> oh, um. Uh, someone said Yiddo. Like kiddo, but yiddo. Oh. I, I, I did not like that. Wow. So Yoju is better than yiddo. Okay. Yoju with a bullet. Um, and up the front, uh, the show gives uh, the listener or the viewer what they want, and that's Baby Yoda um, being Baby Yoda, a little bit of uh, cuteness. And uh, one thing that I've found like out of Star Wars, but I'm glad they're doing it, is this episode references time a lot. Or for Star Wars, it references time a lot. And he says he's planning on staying a few months on the the planet. And I actually thought 
that he would stay there a few. Like I thought, okay, he's going to stay there a few months. That's what's going to be the the episode about. I bought it, and but I I sort of just I like that they're mentioning, even though oh they don't have months or whatever. Well, they don't have A's, but they've got an A wing, so whatever. But um, I I I was able to sort of buy into the story because of the time mentioning. Tom, you, you read and, and you consume a lot of this Star Wars stuff. Like, how do you find the, the use of months and weeks in this app? Uh, in this episode, I, I think it's good. I like it. I like Star Wars stories to take some time. I think usually in the movies and in various books, it's, time is very much a thing of convenience. It's however long the story needs it to be. So here I like the idea that the Mandalorian was planning on laying low. I wonder if at any point he was thinking when he said, we're going to stay here a few months. I I wonder if he was thinking, Hey, maybe I'm going to find some place I can kind of ditch baby Yoda and move <sighs> on myself at the end of a few of the months that I'm in a place where I can get a decent bowl. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can't believe you, you, you thought he was going to ditch baby Yoda. Yoju. But I do like that the open-endedness of this show, like I've got no idea, like, like, do you know what I mean? If you're sort of watching something, oh, right, yeah. like you can, oh, they're not going to stay there a few months or whatever, like it's just a, a something's going to happen. I, I, I sort of, the fact that we're, I've got like no idea about how this series like ends at the end of season one. I'm oh, just... they're, they're not going to show a ton of Mando's jetpacking in to save the day until the last episode. <laughs> <laughs> now, Emily. Yes. I, I, I don't want to ostracize you in this part of the uh, the podcast, oh, well. but just, okay. just just kick back and just let the uh, the experts, you know, <laughs> oh, I cannot wait. run with this. But the Mandalorian just asks... Baby Yoda, Yoju, if you will, just to stay in the spaceship. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm, I'm on this show with, with two other fathers. And as we know, fathers, it's, it's the hardest job in the world, without, without question. Do you know what I mean? With that, there's nothing comes close. Um, you just wouldn't know, Emily. But um, leaving a baby in a spaceship, um, like I know, I know we have a lot of hard to uh, comprehend concepts in Star Wars. Um, a lady th- floated through space, a, um, a green goblin lifted an X-wing, but um, leaving a baby in the, Yo- in, in, in the Yoda, in the spaceship, like, to me, King Tom seems like um, not very realistic. No, and he didn't even like try to roll the windows down or anything like that. Didn't even try to strap him into something. No, there's well, no baby seat or anything. I there. mean, when he found him, he was uh, in a self-contained sealed orb. He could have put them in back in there. Like, look, just stay in your orb. I'll be back in a couple of hours. This will keep you safe, and it's climate controlled. Well, no. Um, they found that in the garbage. Yeah, they, they found yeah. that. They found that trashed at the um, in the second or the third ep- when he went back he saw it trashed mm-hmm. which I, I said last episode Chris oh right right that, that, like as a new father that really upset me because of like the resale of like baby products that <laughs> you just like this 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 Werner guy doesn't know how expensive this baby is to look after yeah. <laughs> now you know how hard it is to put a floating orb on a registry <laughs> <laughs> um 
so yeah, I, I thought it was kind of weird. Like, I, I'm just like, as if you can leave baby. But then he decides to take him with him. And now as a Star Wars nerd, I just find it... I, the way he just lets Yoju, like, just walk out when he's like this highly wanted bounty. I, it, every time, admittedly, the visual is so cute of him, like, walking through the little forest to the thing. But I'm just like... These fobs, they're out there. Like, cameras are invented. Space cameras. Star Wars space cameras. Um, like, this is meant to be a, um, you know, a very savvy bounty hunter with a great reputation. He seems like he's inviting trouble with this Yoju, just dragging it out as bait. Isn't that kind of the classic, like, you know, the... Um the the hardened bounty hunter or assassin that suddenly gets saddled with a kid and then that kind of melts his heart a little bit. So it's and it's also a trope that we always fall for as viewers too. I'm like I've I've seen this before, but I'm still on board. Yeah, what were we gonna say, Emily? Well, at least get like a little baby Yoda Bjorn or something. I mean, if <laughs> if for no other reason, then little Yoda's legs are very short and. If nothing else, even if it's not for Yoda's sake, don't you want to walk a little bit faster? Then maybe Yoda can walk. Yoda, you know, if you will. That is a, that is I a won't. great idea, Emily, because he does have that cape. And I had this thing when my son was born. It, it, it was like this big wrap thing you wrap the kid up in and you can carry it. Like It's like a giant sling you carry it on your chest. He could surely do that with his cape. Very tricky to fold those bad boys from memory. Can you yes. um, now? I, I don't know all of the force powers, especially if you add into all the video games and everything else. Is there like a force float where Baby Yoda could, you know, float behind the Mandalorian by using his force powers? I feel like he could, but I don't know how the um, like a fifty-year-old Yoju maybe he can't as yet. But even even Yoda wasn't so showy. He he sort of got about on a little little like hover pad during the um the prequels. He didn't like to just float about for uh, you know, he was he was sort of a bit humble with it or or just couldn't be bothered. But um I loved the the bar set. I was I was wondering last week um we had on uh Dominic Pace that was a bounty hunter on the Mandalorian and he explained how Werner Herzog's office is it's all those LCD screens, like none of those walls are there, none of the stuff in the background's there. So I was wondering. I, I kept like looking at the like the bar, like all the vo- like the sort of wood, like trying to work out what was like actually there and not. Did that did that run through your mind after last week, Emily, or are you uh, invested to uh, to be sort of debunking the effects? I mean, I sort of thought about it on my on my second viewing. The first viewing, I'm just totally in, but it. it like there's no way I can tell. It's a little tiny thing. First of all, Lothcat, that was amazing. That like, was cool. Because I, I was watching and I'm thinking, where do I recognize that from? I don't think I've seen it before, but I did just an animated form. Now, now it was uh, it's more of live action. Technically, they're both animated, but uh, it was from uh, Rebels, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we mm-hmm. also saw it, Chris, at Galaxy's Edge. Remember, it was like in that little hutch thing in the creature shop. Oh, right. Yeah, I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Is it like an animatronic thing? 
That's yeah. The one at Galaxy's Edge? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, it was. And, and, and the shopkeeper tells you that he found it out in the forest and he's nursing it back to health and it, it sort of mm-hmm. breathes and makes little mm-hmm. random noises. So very happy to see the Lothcat. But um, the, the opening of Cara Dune, I sort of... This one little thing bugged me. Like, he walks in and there's a close-up of her. Or not a close-up, but sort of like a mid-shot establishing she's there. And then it goes to this really nice long shot of the Mandalorian sitting down and she's in the background out of focus. And then as he sits down, the focus changes from him to her in the background sort of revealing her. And it's such a like like awesome shot. But it's sort of blown it by the initial shot of her. Like you're not introducing her with that focus change. You've already shown this very TV-esque sort of mid-shot of her, is that, am I, am I over-editing at home? I, I feel like. <laughs> Are you armchair editing? <laughs> I just, I just, it just sort of bugged me that like you give me this like close-up and then there's this really beautiful long shot that would have been a, a really nice sort of introduction, but you know, save the close-up for later. Do you know what I mean? Just seeing her in the distance. Yeah, it's definitely editing change. Uh, my personal preference is to see the long first and then the close-up, but yeah, it's it's an artistic choice. Yeah, but that, that, the, the shot where the, the focus change was... And speaking of... Loved how much the Mandalorian had no interest in ordering soup for himself. <laughs> can, we, can we talk about this waitress who is like... I don't know what it is, but... She's like straight out of an American sitcom or something. Like you could see her on on Mad About You. Like I don't know why that's my go-to sitcom, but but it was it it was very. Human. A- Emily, Emily, you are great for making references that old. That is. <laughs> <laughs> but she just she just seemed very earthy, and I, I I don't I don't know what it is that drew like occasionally in it seems to be in the mandalorian it's happened before where i'm like oh that's a that's an earth person well she also mentions that car has been there for a week which is also very earthly but i'm enjoying knowing um the time but yeah it's i was sort of like she's the mandalorian's dexter jetster just running her thing (laughs) i was waiting for her, her to call him hun (laughs) (laughs) it <laughs> <laughs> says something about you tom um it's just too much time spent didn't in order anything else it's like well if you don't like soup you know we've never really seen you eat i know you have to take the helmet off to eat but uh could you order something to go like you know we never see that a ship stocked with food either what about the space straw have we not thought about busting out the mandalorian space straw just yeah. up there <laughs> Or, or, or Mandalorians, because they're all so decked out. They're the type of people to have... You know people, you just sort of see them on the street and they've got a backpack with a little sippy straw coming out of it that's sort of yeah. meant for high-altitude adventure, but they're just like, I'm in the I mall mean, maybe, and I might get thirsty. Maybe it has baby food in it or something like that that's easy yeah. to get through a straw. Excellent. Um, and I do like the Mandalorian. Big tipper. Big tipper. Yes. Very impressive. <laughs> Very impressive. Uh, then after complaining about it for the last couple of episodes, he goes out to confront Cara Dune and, and flicks some more cash to the barkeep. 
uh, to look after Yoju because I, I was I was so, so getting tired of him just having her him like float along and and sort of like be a video game character. But that sort of it it I like that. And then they get into a um, a sweet little battle, which I, I thought was pretty compelling. And then we hit the uh, the now infamous Yoju sipping tea. Incident. <laughs> have, have, we, have we all been swept up in this meme, King Tom? How are you looking? I've I've used it once already. <laughs> the, the, the animated GIF. <laughs> Big fan of it. You it, know, it's easy to wash down frogs. You know, with with sipping tea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, have, have you utilized this uh, this GIF in your uh, internet toings and comings, Emily? I have, and. I feel like it's something I would normally already be sick of and annoyed by, but for some reason, when it comes to Baby Yoda, I have no limit, and I will just accept all of the cuteness and all of the memes. I I just don't care. <laughs> Emily, Yoju's number one fan. Good to hear. Good to hear. She loves the Yoju. When Gina Carano says Endor, I don't know what happened, but I felt warm. <laughs> I felt part of the universe. I felt like mm-hmm. the universe like knew me. I just, I, I just, just her mentioning casually mentioning Endor, it just made me so happy for some bizarre reason. Like, which was a uh, which made you more happy? That reference or the reference to Life Day? I would say Endor because Endor, okay, because one is my favorite thing, mm-hmm. and the other thing is that thing <laughs> it's fine I, I love a good life day reference but steals war on life day <laughs> <laughs> but um w- what did you guys think of um of gina carano i i sort of thought she had like the the campy comic book come to life acting style which is kind of perfect for a star wars tv show down well, her background is in, you know, I, I think it's Ultimate Fighting or something like that, if I remember yeah. correctly. And, uh, you know, she just has that, you know, physical presence on screen, which is really great. And I thought she, uh, you know, I didn't, you know, not believe for a second that she was a commando and that, uh, you know, there was some backstory that we hadn't heard the complete uh, version of yet. So I, I was intrigued by the whole thing. Now, Tom, you're a uh, a cannon junkie. How does all this um, Republic or Rebellion Commando like fit in with like Battlefront and the stories told there? Like, what, what do we know about these uh, shock troopers? I should say it fits. I don't know that they've ever been called shock troopers before. Maybe in the um, one of the po- the pre the Force Awakens comic series. Shattered Empire, um, because we are introduced to a special forces unit there. The Rebellion, just like the Empire, they do have special forces unit and they operate in all sorts of different ways. So it fits that, you know, she would be the best of this class of soldier. And she, she, her personality, she certainly carries that off in this role. Now, Emily, did you get the feeling that she knew, like they sort of came to an agreement, like, I don't know, they sort of just reached his stalemate and just went, okay, let's just agree to disagree. Does she know the Mandalorians on the run 
Or is her vibe, which is like way cooler, like sure I have a bounty on me, but I'm going to make it way too much trouble for you to bother going after me. What, what, what's her strategy? I think it here? was mutual. I thought it was mutually understood that they were both on the run and trying to hide. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't get. I, I don't think she knows quite how much trouble he's in or has any idea what the score is. But I, I mean, just the fact that he's showing up there with a small child and not on a job would would clue her in that something's going on with him Mm. that's that's pretty um astute because when i go anywhere with my small child people realize i'm in a lot of trouble so (laughs) very apt uh so yeah they sort of um agree to just go their separate ways and i like i like the weird codes of just like he just without any argument goes to yoju oh this planet's taken let's get a new planet like you like you can <laughs> like last episode we we're talking about, more in the galaxy yeah last episode we we're talking about barley's or, or when you're playing tag safe or whatever how, whatever you call it here in america but he she barleyed or called an entire planet as her hiding spot which i thought was I just like the code of just like, all right, well, she's here first. Next planet. It's, it's fine. Yeah. I, I, I got to keep going until I find someone who's not on the run, you yeah. know, that's taking up an entire planet that yeah. I can't stay on now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then it cuts to him. Uh, he's at the Razor Crest and the villagers come. Uh, In the slowest transport of all time. <laughs> I didn't like the little cart. It was so. It would have been faster to walk there. God, you're 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 so angry or worked up about how slow it is I, that you can't even wait in, to New, get to that I mean, part I live of the in show. New York, you got it. You got to walk. N- now we know why they, they were there a couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so they come to try get the Mando service, and uh, he's got no interest. He knows he, they don't have much cash. But um, then after they complain about how far back they have to travel to this desolate village where they live, his um, little Mandalorian antenna pricks up and he realises maybe he can get somewhere to um, for them safely to live. Now, I didn't... The first time I watched the episode, I didn't pick up on that's how he knew to ask. Like, I didn't see him click that, like, by saying that, I, they just—it was just really weird. Finally, when someone doesn't get to do anything and they whinge as they walked off, that it paid off for them. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, you don't get backstage somewhere or something. And go, oh, I'm, I'm their biggest fan. Oh, oh, biggest fan. Okay, well, come in then. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but um, yeah, it didn't like that sort of little link didn't click with me the first time. So I, I was sort of on my second watch. I was like, ah, oh. they they write things to um. To make sense. And I, I did like also the unspoken diss that while Mandalorian wouldn't even look at how many credits there, he instantly assumes that Cara Dune will do the job for that amount of credits. Like, it's it's just, she's he's just so high-end. I, uh, I very much love that. Because um, they were both looking for that, um, you know, kind of that isolation to get away and hide. So they, you know, he probably thought, well, if I need to hide, so does she. So she's probably going to say yes to this and get some sweet bunts out of it. Yeah. (laughs) And all the soup they can eat. (laughs) Soupsy. 
Um, and they arrive at the village after, apparently, Emily, we love the crafts of Star Wars. Do you know what I mean? The land speeder, the mm-hmm. Jawa Sandcrawler, the Adat, the AT-AT. And um, easily up amongst those ranks is the, um, the Mandalorian horse and cart droid thing. Um, known for its speed. Would you like to take us through the scene? Now this, now this isn't pod racing. <laughs> All I was thinking is when I'm when I'm stuck on the subway and it's going at half speed for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> you think there's like, a problem with the droid at the front? I just slowly get angrier and angrier as I'm sitting there trying to get to work. Wow! So. Um... New project, and that is making gifts of that thing move extra slow <laughs> to reply to um, Emily's angry tweets to me when um, I've done something very bad. So they arrive at the village, and all the kids instantly fall in love with Yoju. Except there's this one kid. He looks at him for about two seconds and then just looks away bored. Oh, okay. So the the fifty year old little green force goblin, not that interesting to you? Like, where's hey, where's the twig ball? Like, it's just he looks away from Yoju within two seconds. Have to look for this now, kid. did you notice this on the first or second viewing? Every viewing, <laughs> three count them. Three viewings every time. I'm like, dude, theater of the mind. Like, I'm not sure. Do you think they were on set with Yoju or Yoju did his scenes um, later on? Uh, it might have been a combination where there was something on set like a, a puppet and then they went over it with a computer afterwards. Yeah, did you guys... There was an interview, I think, today with Bryce Dallas Howard and she was saying how her kids knew about Yoju and every time she like dropped them off at school and stuff, she had to say... Now, what's the thing we don't talk about? <laughs> and they go, the baby. Yeah. So um, I am I am slightly annoyed that none of these kids ask the Mandalorian, "Hey, what's what's your little baby Yoda's name?" <laughs> <laughs> they're there for or what's your name? Oh. <laughs> yeah, they're there for three weeks, and they're just calling each other mate the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> Not a lot of naming going on. Mm. So then we meet uh, Amara, who is oh, well, we've already met. She's the um, the basket case from the start of the uh, the episode. <laughs> what? What? It's just uh, uh, it was a dad joke. Okay. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Okay. Um, <laughs> now, 
don't know if you've, this is a horrific situation to be in the Mandalorians in. Um, she informs the Mandalorian, uh, like she apologizes for the room and then tells him there's some folded like blankets. Now, have you ever been checked into an Airbnb when the owner's there and they just keep telling you stuff? Like, oh, you know, sorry, but the room's a bit messy. I folded some blankets. Oh, you folded them. That's great. Is is Did you fold, like, the Wi-Fi password on top of them? Because if not, tell me the Wi-Fi password. That's all I want to know. Keep your blankets. So I I, I just, it, it was, it was, it's always so frustrating when they keep talking to you. You're tired. You've just gone yeah. on a um, a 12-hour cart ride. You want to take your helmet off. <laughs> You just want to take your helmet off at some point. Yeah. That that said, I once um, at San Diego Comic Con, I had a Airbnb and I found my hostess um, drunkenly asking me if I was still awake at three a.m. in the move, m- morning one time. So, um, as far oh my gosh. that's, I, I feel like I left a. I actually, I was too scared to leave a bad review. Um, but I feel like the Mandalorian had a uh, a better experience than I. Then winter. Her daughter enters the room, and then the Mando almost deep fries her in his um, sputtering like flame liquid just for walking in the room. And then Amira has the gall to apologize to the Mandalorian, saying, "Oh, she's she's a bit nervous around strangers." Yeah, with flamethrowers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, he, he's the one that turns around and like almost kills her because like, oh, you walked into the room. Like if anyone's nervous around strangers, it's it's that helmeted dude. So um Yeah. <laughs> or just close the door if you're uh you're skittish about people walking in. Exactly. Exactly. Um and then and then she tells her daughter, like, oh the man that almost killed you is gonna protect you from the bad men. And she says, like, oh, good. That's the, 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 <laughs> this guy in the in the helmet. You know, you can't see his face, and he has all these weapons strapped to him, and he just almost killed you for walking into a barn. Yeah, he's <laughs> yeah. the good guy. He's, yep. So, uh, and everybody's thinking, well, don't get too close to him, but point him in the right direction. He might be pretty useful. <laughs> <laughs> point him at some of those blue fish, and then we've got a mm-hmm. cook up. Um. Then she asks about how long his helmet has been on for, which led to a great joke of saying he took it off yesterday, but <laughs> to no one. Now, um, this, this whole deal with the Mandalorians not taking off their helmet, it, it, it's all new to me. Um, you know, she, he, he like explains the way, but not what the way is. Um, right. Tom, have, have you been digging around? At, have you got some theories about what's going on with this helmet business? I, I have ideas, nothing concrete nothing based in any canon that we know of because this is all new my only guess is it's connected to the purge because we've seen other sets of mandalorians both on mandalore and other places throughout the galaxy in full armor take off their helmet show their face to other people who are not mandalorians um so i if i had to get and i i you know, Filoni is part of this, Favreau is part of this, and they are both very thorough when it comes to Star Wars, so I can't imagine it's something that they haven't thought about. If I had to guess, my theories run along the lines of it having something to do with the Purge, where they might not be 
all that's left of Mandalore, but it's this specific group of Mandalorians that's on the run, um, or at least in hiding. And, and that is part of their code, but I, I have nothing in, in, in canon or nothing based off of what we've been given to back that up. Okay. Then uh, they do a bit of recon. They see the footprint. And then we get a landmark moment in Star Wars history, you guys. The first time that ATST is said. It was, um, it was very special. It was, it was poetry to my ears. And then we're cut to the, um, the amazing scene of the Mandalorian telling the vi- villagers, bad news, you can't live here anymore. <laughs> I, I, I loved it. Loved it. Did anyone find that a bit much or is it just across the board? Because whenever anything funny happens in Star Wars now, I'm like, oh, is, is, is half the people going to hate that because they're taking it <laughs> a bit out there? It may be it's possible. Yeah, I, I thought it was funny. I, I think um, one of my favorite parts too is like, was they were, you know, very, very nervous about the one ATST that was there. And uh, they did the same thing that they did with when we first saw the bodyguards in the stormtrooper outfits where they were dirty and, you know, not kept well. And uh, um, this ATST was also dirty. It had like a weird glow in the uh, um, in, in the the cockpit. And it was I thought it was really cool. Like this is what would happen if the Empire wasn't around anymore to maintain their uh, vehicles. It would slowly deteriorate and then it would fall into the hands of marauders. The um, I thought the red light was so good and it sort of fit in because we've never really seen them at night. So it was like, well, they mm-hmm. probably would have like a red like submarine light in, you know, so they can see everything that would make, you know, pretty sweet. Um, I mean, it was shot like eyeballs. it was a forest monster, like a like a troll or something, which was kind of cool. Yeah. Well, the, the start thing when the trees all the shook at the start of the episode definitely gave me... um like smoke monster flashbacks in Lost. Mm-hmm. Um, then they can, I like how they complain that they didn't tell them about the ATST, which, right. <laughs> which is very, yeah. very true to Star Wars. Cause if you went to a new Star Wars friend's house and they didn't tell you they had an ATST and they did, you'd be annoyed. <laughs> like you, sh- you should have yeah. told me about this. We could have, we way to bury the lead. Yeah, I know. man. That does a little, it does a little, chat, 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 chat. Like when yeah. you push the button, that's a little dance. <laughs> the best, the best. Uh, so yeah, then we get the live action reenactment of the Simpsons episode, but the general, the original source material for this storyline. Um, and I enjoyed the neat trick uh, because these shows just get so hyper nitpicked and um, sometimes a little bit maliciously, and it's a neat trick that the Mandalorian explains Kara's military past. So the villagers take her seriously. And then the people on the TV on the other side judging her that, oh, what's, what's she doing? They, they take her seriously as well. So I enjoyed that little like, we're, we're just filling in this little gap of, uh, mm-hmm. of Star Wars lore. And then we get, I'm not sure if you guys have seen this, the controversial scene. The shooting scene with Omara. Did you see? Oh yeah, yeah. I can't believe that. You know, there's going to be a controversy or anything. I didn't see anything controversial at all. And uh, like, no, people are not are upset over it. The, the uh, fact that you know she could actually shoot straight. And and I saw that some guy was furious. It didn't have kickback. Like, or, and, <laughs> and and her stance 
wasn't like the correct stance. And then you look at like Han Solo shooting his like blaster in front of the Millennium Falcon. It's like, that doesn't seem, that's, I'm not sure if that's a correct gun stance either. It's, 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 hey, it's, Mr. Angry YouTube guy, how many space rifles have you shot anyway? My theory was that he shot one rifle at like a gun range at a Bucks weekend and it kicked back too much. And he yeah, was really yeah. embarrassed in front of all his friends. So now when he watches anything, it's like, oh, it didn't kick back. They kick back in real life. Yep. Yeah. These space back. guns could have inertial dampeners in them. You don't know. It's, and, and it's this balance of like, should we update like stuff so it's more re- realistic for now? So space gun jolts. Or should we keep it the same as the films that you love so much and you want to hearken it back to? Like, I don't know. You can't have you can't have it both ways. But it's uh, quite the trope that the war widow knows how to shoot. And uh, did you notice the gun, Tom? Looked a bit mm-hmm. Bosk esque. Ken Bosk. It, it was a Relby, the same the same weapon that Bosk uses in oh. Empire Strikes Back. You just said a word I've never heard before. One more time. Relby. R-E-L-B-Y. What a source of information this guy is, huh? (laughs) That is why he's the king of all times. (laughs) Oh, my God. Now, the the training thing, I don't know. Like, when they had the the spears, I just kept picturing Herman, you know, the war veteran on The (sighs) Simpsons, like, stabbing (laughs) the bag. I just... <clears throat> it's just so well worn, and it, you know it's already been done in the Clone Wars. Um, what did you guys think of, of of the whole training thing? Like the second time I watched it, because I enjoyed the end, it didn't bug me the, as much. But the first time, I was sort of just like, I know exactly how this goes. Weirdly, I think I either needed more of it or less of it, and I'm not quite sure which one (laughs) it was an odd amount because you know they were running up against well we have a lot of preparation to do but only a limited amount of minutes in the episode so i I think it was running up against that for sure because uh it was really if there was anything that was uh, a cliche it was those scenes you know training the farmers to fight with specifically sticks it did pay off because at the end you see a few of them use the sticks and right. use them proficiently, even the one who is holding it backwards. But it, it, it was a little bit weird. Yeah, I just sort of was thinking, I'm not sure what it would be, but just like, just a different weapon than a spear. It just, I don't know, it just seemed a bit, um, a bit on the nose. A bit on the nose. So, uh, Kara and Mando, they go to set the trap. Uh, what were those cauldrons? They go to the Marauders' place, and they've got these cauldrons of something that one of the Marauders ends up getting dunked into. Uh, I, I thought it was their food. I thought it... Someone said it was the stuff they were brewing from the shrimp. Okay, that would that would... That, that would and be. it was might have been this. The, I don't. I don't remember what it was called, but the flagon of oh. whatever liquid. So they were basically making moonshine from the shrimp. Mm. The stuff that Cara Dune says you could stay on this planet and sip this and watch your kid grow up. Like, yeah, 
yeah, that stuff. Okay, okay. So then they have a uh, a pretty rudimentary fight. It's it's kind of dark. Can't really see what's going on. Um, kind of makes sense. Like the 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 Cara Mando fight was sort of far more dynamic because they're both great fighters. Did you like how mm-hmm. I just did a, a little karate? That was a bit of grammar. Nice. There. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and the beauty of attacking a tent is BYO backdoor if you need. <laughs> super sweet, super sweet. Um, and I, I sort of thought it was kind of cool and it, it sort of fit the whole narrative that the Marauders wouldn't be that good at ATST, giving their marauding past. Like the ATST, mm-hmm. it wasn't, it, I felt like it wasn't getting driven as succinctly. Like, I feel like if you had like a guy with a little gray ice cream container on his head, he'd be able to do a lot of damage compared to the Marauders. How does that check in with your cannon sources, Tom? I, it, I'm more wondering how they got it. Ooh. Hmm. But yeah, it looked not too different from how it was used on Endor, but at the same time, I don't, maybe it would maybe it would have avoided the giant puddle in front of it. Yeah, because on Endor it was like, like it was quite like um yeah this was all yeah yeah it it kind of felt like um when i saw rashad try to fly this millennium falcon drone at my son's birthday it was um (laughs) it was very uh odd now this pulse rifle tom the disintegrator rifle when carl weathers mentioned it like he said nice weapon or whatever i felt like it might have been a custom thing that he, she had that he had but then cara dune sort of grabs it calls it a pulse rifle and it seems very familiar with it are these disintegrators rare or what, what, what's up what's your read my read is that because she is part of the alliance special forces she would be very familiar with all kinds of weaponry no matter how rare okay yeah, she might have been a specialist, too, that right. she would know all of them. Okay. Then uh, she gets it in the eyeball, and then the Mando, it falls over. The Mando drops a grenade and does an 80s ride the blast jump to safety. So good. Mm-hmm. That would make B.A. Baracus proud. Yes. <laughs> that was that was just so sweet. And even the A-team reference, like, I'm not sure if this was, like, on purpose or not. But um, I think it's the Mando that says, was that the plan? And then she says something like that. Or maybe it's the other way around. But of course, you know, Hannibal at the end of every episode, the A-Team would say, I love it when a plan came together. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure if I'm projecting there or what, but I, I you know. I like expected it. him to, um, you know, somehow chomp a cigar right at the end. Yes, and then, yeah, <laughs> and then and then Baby Yoda tell him I ain't getting on no plane. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Do you understand these references, Emily? <laughs> oh. I understand them as references that I've heard references of. Okay, excellent, <laughs> perfect. I um I love your your Snoke theory sucks little water sipper there. That's yeah. That's, oh, and the other side is the. Excellent. That is a mm-hmm. that is a good misuse of the license. <laughs> a good bootlegging of the license. Um, then they save the day, and 
I kind of love this scene with Kara and the Mando where she like sort of like mocks him for why he can't take his helmet off. Like just doesn't respect his culture at all, which I guess, I guess when I say it like that's probably not that cool, but it's in space. It's space culture. So um, you can be space racist. It's fine. Yeah. Okay. Well, prune face. There's prune faces. And then, yeah, they mentioned he's been there for a few weeks. And then he says that he's going to leave him in the village. And am I a total sucker? I thought, oh, this is it for Baby Yoda. He's leaving. Okay, you are. Well, a total sucker. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I saw it immediately as a uh, sunk cost. It's like, well, there's no way that amount of art assets is going to be um, gone in Episode Four <laughs> <laughs> for the VFX budget. Like, we spent all this time designing him. He's he's going to be in multiple episodes for sure. Tom, are you willing to save any of my dignity? I I thought we he might be gone from the show for an episode or two. But yes. now uh, we're on the Baby Yoda train all the way to season two, I'm guessing. Yeah. Do, do, what do it you, feels like. Do you think it's there's, there's without Baby Yoda... There's no Mandalorian. Like, is 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 are these ebony and ivory living in no, perfect I harmony? Think, I think it's more the story of this season. Baby Yoda is the story of this season because, other than Baby Yoda and the Mando, I I don't think there's been anything, any character or location that's been in all four episodes. Well, they sort of wrap up Cara Dune. They make out like she's not going to be in it again. I'm not sure if there's... I've, I've, I've sort of... I don't know. I, someone said that there's other clips, like in the preview, mm-hmm. that, there, that, that yeah, haven't been seen Yeah, one of the trailers yet. there was. Okay. Because I... Um, I'm a fan. I like Her saying Star Wars lines is so cool. I, yeah. It's... It's a very Star Wars thing, though, if you think about it. I don't know if you remember from Star Wars to Jedi. But George was talking about the uh, sail barge from Return of the Jedi. And he, he, he's saying how everyone... I, I, that... I, I vaguely remember that scene. Was... Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. But George was saying that everyone's complaining that the sail barge was this big, expensive set. And they use it for five minutes and blow it up. But his his philosophy was... You have these giant things and you show them for only as much as the story requires and no more because you want people to say that was awesome. We need to see more of that instead of, oh, let's move it on to somewhere else. So it's a very Star Wars thing to have these locations and characters that we as an audience enjoy and then move on to something else so that the story can move along with it. Don't you sometimes wish that 80s George Lucas was there to have a chat to late 90s George Lucas? Yes. <laughs> yes, I, I wish 80s George Lucas co-wrote the, the prequel trilogy. Yeah, I, I respect all the George Lucases, but um, <laughs> I feel like sometimes he, uh, he loses his way. Um, and then uh, he's, the Mandalorian's asked to stay, and, and, and for this one... I didn't think he was going to say yes, but I was on edge for his reply. So I, I, I'm getting suckered into this show. And then we've got the return of the fob. Um, 
Omara asks uh, or tries to take his mask off. She gets mask blocked. Mm-mm. And then for the second time in the series, we hear a, uh, a gunshot, assume it's heading towards Baby Yoda, and then someone's killing the, the killer. And this time it's Cara Dune killing a... Uh, was that a Gardenian bounty hunter, Tom? It it looked like it. I couldn't tell for sure. Okay. And, you know, these the bounty hunter that did that, whether he's Gardenian or not, he was... Uh, very short-sighted because it was very clear that uh, Baby Yoda is worth more alive and it would be a much higher bounty. He didn't even try. A bird in the hand is worth <laughs> two in the creek? <laughs> I don't know. Well, that, that could have changed. Like, after the Mandalorian burns down Werner Herzog's place and steals Baby Yoda, Herzog could have put out the thing of just get this kid back However, you can. We need the genetic material now. It doesn't matter. Yeah, well, he might have the same job as IG-11. Because are there like different forces that want different things to happen to Yoju? Maybe. That's or may- still or- unclear. Or maybe he stopped at the bar and sir, the, the waitress helped him. And she's like, hon, that baby would not stand still. <laughs> <laughs> okay, how many coins I got flicked? Too hard. <laughs> Too hard. Now, um, yeah, as I said, this is the second time Blaster Bolt has stepped in with a second to spare. Now, is is this like a bit repetitive or some sweet Mando ring theory? Neither. I, I didn't mind it until you called it ring theory. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, di- I didn't think of it as repetitive uh, just because it... it that's the way this this show is so far for me. I'm in, enjoying it, and I don't know. I just I I think the storytelling is better than Ring Theory. Okay, I because when it happened, I was like, oh, this sort of seems familiar. But then I was also like, oh, but Baby Yoda's okay, and that's all. It's like <laughs> I think the the purpose was to kind of establish that this is going to happen over and over again, and we're never going to be safe, so we have to keep running. It's like mm-hmm. the end of the Incredible mm-hmm. Hulk every. Yeah, it was a good. Um, it was sort of like a good way to put the pieces of like the, all these people we've just met, we're getting along with. Here's like the reason why we can we can never have them in the show again. We're uh, we're get we're we're pulling down the uh, the little pond sets, and we're going to put up something else. But we we have to see like, were you got like I'm amped on Cara Dune. Are, are you guys like sharing my uh, my my Cara hype? Yeah, I was really surprised. I was because they sort of had billed her in the promotional stuff. It seemed like she was going to be like a co-lead of this show. Yeah. So the fact that she doesn't show up until episode four and she's on is, the poster, I know. It's yeah, true. and is is maybe gone for. I I think she's coming back at some point, but could be gone until the finale. Is disappointing. I I thought she was going to go with him at the end. Yeah, I sort of again, I like like the same with with like Kuehl, the um the Ugnor. I I love them so much, but I so respect that it's like we're just leaving them there. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, what what was that that um the the first order um, the guy that ran the dreadnought at the start of the Last Jedi, Tom. Cassidy? Oh, Captain Kennedy? Kennedy. Like, everyone's like, oh, I can't believe we can get more of him. And I'm like, no, you come in for three minutes, you kill it, 
and then you die, mm-hmm. and then like we remember you always. Mm-hmm. But I, 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 I do want more Cara Dune. I just, just the way she says. I think st- we'll get. I think we'll get more for yeah. sure. The way she says Star Wars lines, it's just there's such a good comic book charisma about it. I'm like she's like until our paths cross, and I'm like yes, cross, 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 and uh, then we get a sweet little ET moment with uh, Winter and Yoju. Imagine having to say goodbye to Yoju, Emily. What would you say to Yoju when you if you had to say goodbye? Would you say hey Yoju, I'm gonna miss you? What would you say? I I would just be crying too hard to talk. Would you say I love you, Yoju? I I would say I love you, baby Yoda, and I would kiss him on his cute little head. And what if he looked up and said, "Call me Yoju"? <laughs> First of all, I never want to hear baby Yoda speak. Oh, how aware is baby Yoda? Like the because okay, the scene at the beginning of the episode. When he's hitting all the buttons, when he looks the Mando directly in the eye and then leans back and hits that other button, I'm like, so he's not a, he's not really a baby. Oh, no. That's uh, that's classic toddler behavior. I will pull you up on that one as a father, Emily. (laughs) No, I would say toddler, but like baby Mm -hmm. and toddler is like, everyone's referring to him as a baby. This this is what Harry does. He's 14 months. Like, he will hold up something and look at me and go, uh-oh, and then drop it off the table. <laughs> it's, they're there to torture you. So I, I think he's a little torturing thing. But the fact that, like, he's there drinking tea and he levitated the... I, I just sort of feel like I, maybe, like, Yojus don't talk until later on, but they're... Like, because he... I feel like it's the talking that makes him seem so much younger. So you, so you're, so you want no language. I, th- I think it would be too weird. Hmm. He gives little coos and yeah, that I'm okay with. Yeah, and I, I think it's a, a, a force thing, almost as if he's operating on feel more than actual awareness of what's going on around him at times. I will need a training montage to accept that, Tom. <laughs> no, it's it's like an innate thing. It's not something that he's been taught, but it's like in episode two when he le- levitated the giant rhinoceros, he, he sensed and could feel the danger that he and the Mandalorian were in. It wasn't, you know... No one told him, oh, focus on this. You could lift it up. It was him riding the waves of the emotions around him. I mean, he understands that the kids don't want him to eat that frog. Right. He did understand that. Yeah, he spit it out. But then, you know, he, what, what is he? We don't know what he eats besides frogs yet. Soup. Yeah, soup, apparently. That's true. <laughs> hey, mate, have you been watching the memes or not? He's loving his yeah. soup. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> Then uh, everyone waves to the very slow cart, matched to uh, Emily's chagrin. Uh, the adventure concludes, the music kicks in, and um, then we realise that we're done with our space adventure for the week. And then sweet concept paintings. The, the credits with the concept paintings and this music awesome. kicks ass. It's, it, I, it's so good. It gets me so hyped to watch it again. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a great idea. Yeah, it's just, and it's sort of like, it reminds me of those old Ralph McQuarrie folders that everyone used to get. It was, um, ah, very good. Now, I, um, first watching, I I, I was not, like, I enjoyed it, but I was sort of, I was tempted to go under, seven or under on my score. That's, I I just, the the repeated story, but um, second watch, I I, I got it bumped up. Uh, Emily, as as the returning guest, um, what were your, uh, like, final thoughts and and, and your score out of 10? It's, I know people have been talking about how short these episodes are, but this is the first one where I really felt that and felt like I could have used a little bit more time. Like, I could have used one more scene maybe with Amara and the Mandalorian to really have that end where she wants him to stay pay off. I I like this episode. I like the characters. It's, it's my least favorite episode so far, but it's still at least a 7.5 for me. I still really enjoyed it and watched it a couple of times and we'll watch it again. Yeah, I'm getting like some really high quality rewatches in. I am enjoying my rewatches and I'm just not I don't rewatch anything really that that like I watch like now. Like I rewatch, you know, Star Wars movies and stuff, but I yeah, I've been pounding these a, a couple times a week. So um I'm I'm very happy with my Mandalorian experience. How about you, Tom? It's a story that we've heard before in different forms and i'm sure we could all have put the put it together in our heads once we realized what was going on but it told that story well and i i would rank it i would rank it probably an eight eight and a half not so much for the story but more the 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 world and the characters that we got because i i would like to return to these characters. If there was a, if I had to choose to live on all of the worlds we've seen so far in the Mandalorian, it would be this one. So I, I liked what hmm. we got. Um, and I think all that, you know, like, like I said, I, I enjoyed the story, but the other stuff, the characters, the locations, the funky ATST with the, the red eyes. I liked that. And th- that's what made this episode a winner for me. So walking in a night, Sorry? I said locking in an eight. Sure. Eight. Yeah. Your review has, it's, it's making me reconsider. I, I could even up mine another quarter of a point. Who knows, Tom? It's, it's, a, it's a wild night here. Uh, Chris, uh, where are you sitting? Uh, I'd probably go with an eight as well. Um, I liked the story and the world building on this new world. I did. I would say that the episode did feel short. And rushed, and I think this is the kind of story that could have easily spanned two episodes and given it a little more room to breathe. And then I think the end would actually have had a little more impact. And um, you're locking in an eight, yeah? I am. Mm-hmm. I, um, I've got one question that uh, I, I didn't bring up. Is so He's in his little tent, and she brings him food and he looks out to watch him playing and he takes off his helmet. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Like, well, I think the Mandalorians are um, as skilled as ninjas with the use of shadows. <laughs> so he knew when he took the helmet off, he was in shadow. No one could see his face, so it didn't count. If Baby Yoda is out there, everyone's looking at Baby Yoda. No one's looking at the weird guy eating bread and soup in the window. Mm-hmm. That's um, that's some excellent Star Wars um, massaging there, Tom. You um. You are one of the best in the game. But yeah, he took off the helmet and started eating it. I'm like, what are you doing, dude? Like, because <laughs> like, there's one theory going around that they only show their faces to their like family. And so that would explain like Sabine. And it's like, but she showed her like her head to anyone. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So I. Oh, we didn't we didn't mention the one big line where he said where he the Mandalorians took me in. Oh yeah, yeah. I I sort of always I didn't find that in because he was a foundling. I I sort of just. But well, I sort of thought he was a foundling Mandalorian because mm-hmm. I I was working under the assumption of those scenes that we saw of his flashbacks were on Mandalore or a Mandalorian planet. And that was like the big thing. Ah, cause I've assumed they weren't anything to do with Mandalore. And then he gets found by the Mandalorians. That's how I was taking it in. Oh, okay. I mean, that's how I'm taking it now, but I, I thought he was Mandalorian and then like found this, other sect of Mandalorians. That's what I thought too. I'm, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure. I think you both make great points. <laughs> so we'll see what the backstory is as it unfolds. Um, but yeah, as I said, the, the, the first episode, the first time I watched it, I was sort of a little bit, you know, like the story was so played out, but watching it again, I just, like, I love the characters. Um, I, I, I love Cara Dune. I loved all the little bits of Star Wars sugar we got. Um, little tantalizing things. I'm I'm fascinated how they're going to play out this Yoju thing. How they're going to keep it fresh and, like, f- not make the story drag out. But I, I sort of feel like if he's not in season two, like, people are really going to complain. Sort of like I feel like it's it's like like Yoju's like bigger than the Mandalorian now. Like it's such a a pop culture phenomenon. Like like even in like like the wrestling the other week they reference Baby Yoda. Like it's <laughs> it's very interesting. But I'm because of the characters, I'm going a seven point seven five or seven and a half. But then Tom's review pushed me over the edge. Right, but Fair I won't. Enough. I won't go an eight. I won't. <laughs> I won't do it. Um, but not yeah, even because of the uh, Relby Busk connection. Not even. Maybe the the um, the Lothcat could have could have got oh, me over, mm-hmm. but uh, but no. But um, thank you guys so much for uh, coming on the pod. Now, um, Christopher Mancini. You yes. are, are, are wrapping up how many years of the Comedy Film Nerds podcast? A decade. Ten years of the Comedy Film Nerds podcast with a uh, final show December 12th at the uh, Dynasty Typewriter in L.A. that uh, you will be a guest on. I will be. What, what's, what's the worst movie you've ever reviewed on the show? 
Um, probably one of the worst was Polar, that uh, Netflix movie. It was one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Is that the one with – what's Paul? Mads Mikkelsen or, or however you say his name. Ah, Mads. He made one good film, so – He's, you know, he's a good actor, but that movie was uh, an absolute disaster. Oh, is that the one where he has the dog? I think that's John Wick. So <laughs> no, no, no! Like that happened in that. Like there was another. I feel like it was the Mads Mikkels one, and they also like. He's it, yeah. No, because there were like two assassin movies that came out at the same time. One of them was Mads, and one of them was someone else. And I can't remember which was it's which. It's entirely possible I might have blocked that out because I was so <laughs> numbed by the horrible filmmaking. But uh, <laughs> uh, it's maybe. <laughs> Emily noticed the dog, and Chris noticed it was a dog. So yeah, <laughs> but uh, you've got a uh, a Kickstarter for a graphic novel, "The Rise of the Kung Fu Dragon Master," that wraps up in uh, a. About a week, and it yes. is—it is my favorite type of Kickstarter, where one of the rewards at retail price is to get the product. I, yes. I, 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 <laughs> I can't stand it when there's a Kickstarter to make something, and one of the rewards isn't get the actual thing. Yes. Like so. Yeah, if, and oddly enough, that's the most popular reward. <laughs> I, it's, it's. I, I call it the pre-order. It's, yeah, um, that's pretty much what it is, yeah. So uh, g- give us a sizzle, mate. Absolutely. It's called Rise of the Kung Fu Dragon Master. It's a 160-page graphic novel. It's a comedy action like a Big Trouble in Little China or like an Army of Darkness where a, uh, a down-as-luck fight club fighter gets mixed up in an ancient battle between good and evil that's been fought since the days of ancient China. And it's got like comedy, epic fights. Uh, surly heroes and angry baristas so it's got all sorts of really cool fun things and uh, it even goes back to like the mythology of when we're talking about like all the samurai movies and the kung fu philosophy and um, how it's been modernized into star wars it's it's kind of a similar thing where i thought like well what happens if like an angry guy from la who's like a small-time crook would actually interact with these old eastern you know philosophies of of kung fu and peace and how would those actually intertwine and how would they interact and at first very poorly and that's where a lot of the comedy (laughs) comes from (laughs) i I, so it's got dragons too dragons monsters magic all sorts of stuff that uh, it should be really fun and only have till december 10th so uh, please pledge now i um i love the like like big trouble in little china as a touchstone because i remember watching as a little kid and it starts off kind of normal and then towards the end, like all the sort of the the mythology, like really busts out, and you're like, "Oh my god, this is not what I it's expected insane. out of this film." Yeah, yeah, it was great. So um, we'll put a link to that in uh, all the show notes. But what's the uh, easiest way to get to it, buddy? You can go to Kickstarter.com and type in Rise of the Kung Fu Dragon Master, or you could just go to ComedyFilmNerds.com and hit a link on the homepage. Nice. And uh, for 20 bucks, you get the full digital graphic novel for uh, you digital types. Tom, do you, do, you, do you collect the hard copies of Star Wars comics or you just get the digital? Uh, so, sometimes I collect the hard copies too. Okay. It, depend, it depends on the series. Okay. Well, if you're... Tom, one week, you can hit up the $20 <laughs> full digital graphic novel. Uh, and then if you want to be Tom on another week, 
for thirty bucks, you can get the uh, the graphic novel in actual printed. Here's a spine thing. I I, I find that such a um, accomplishment in life is to behind, be behind publishing something with a spine. I don't I don't know why. I've 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 got a lot of respect for the spine. You know what it is on the bookshelf. Do you know what I mean? Because it exists, it's in your hand and you can read it from the other side of the room. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love things that exist. More things that exist for me, please. So um yeah, and it would be um you know awesome if you've been a fan of uh Chris's work on this podcast. Of course, he was part of the um the very memorable 2am Force Awakens podcast back in the day and um, for all his years doing the uh, comedy film notes and the LA Podfest, which is where I first got to hang out with Emily. So, um, right. so at, at least Chris will be happy that I've guilted Emily into backing at least a copy. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. You know, um, a, any kind of pledge, even a guilt pledge counts. So that's perfect. Dude, the, the guilt economy is pretty yeah. strong. Uh, and uh, where can we find you on Twitter and all that good stuff, uh, Chris? Um, you can find me at uh, Chris J. Mancini on Twitter. And then my website is ChrisJMancini.online.com. King of all Toms, where can we track you down on your many audio pursuits and tweeted wisdom? Uh, my Twitter is Tom Chansky. And then as far as podcasts, I'm on the Sith list uh, every week. And then Patreons for Steel Wars. We got Page Wars, uh, Blue Harvest, and the Bad Motivators. Excellent. And um, we'll have to uh, make a time to get together this week because we've got the very special reverse episode. Yes. yes. Very exciting. The upside down episode. Steel read something. Yes. Well, <laughs> I, this is the deal, Chris. On my patron, I've, I've got it very worked out that I don't have time to read any of the new books or comics. King, <laughs> King Tom can do it that morning. He will read a novel in the first 24 hours. So I just get him to come on. And, and just tell, tell me everything that happens. So I'm, I'm, I'm kept up in the canon. He's your human Cliff Notes. Yes! Much. King Cliff. <laughs> <laughs> Emily Lind. Yes. Where are you saying unkind things about me on the internet? I mean, lots of places. <laughs> but... <laughs> No, no. Okay, non-DM'd bad things about me on the internet. In specific, you can you can hear me say bad things about Steel on my ostensibly Star Wars podcast, The Cantabite Dispatch, which I do with my friend Brittany Brown. Uh, it is exceedingly not safe for work, but we have a lot of fun. And Tom sends us voicemails because he is a good friend and sends us things when he says he's going to. We like Tom. Hmm. Thank you. <laughs> but it's going to be quite a nice endorsement too. It, it's going to be a great two-parter because bad steal this week, but next week, spoiler alert, I, I, I got it in. I got it in. That's true. That's true. Okay. But Tom's never spoiled anything for me, so I like Tom better anyway. <laughs> <laughs> And also, you can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at CantoBitePod. And I am on Twitter and Instagram at EFLind. 
Nice. Thank you. I love you too, Emily. Uh, Thanks so much, you guys, for coming on the pod. If you haven't already, go back and check out our other chit-chats about The Mandalorian, the first uh, four episodes now, either in audio podcast or YouTube form. And there's also our interview with Dominic Pace, who was a bounty hunter on the set of The Mandalorian with some really good insight about what was going on the day George Lucas was on set and all that good stuff. And uh, join the Patreon if you're keen for $3 or more, you get all the bonus content, including King Tom with Page Wars and, and tons of Q&As and, and, and fun stuff that we do there. Um, thank you guys so much. Cannot wait until this Friday. And may that force be with you. Night, guys. Thanks, guys. Bye. Night. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.